0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. I invite you to take your Bibles as we turn in Holy Scripture this morning to the Old Testament, to the book of the Psalms. We'll read this morning from Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I've become like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, Do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God, you who have done great things, who, O God, is like you. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion invite you to once again take your Bibles as God's Word comes to us this morning in the verses 14 to 21 of Psalm 71. So that's our text for this morning, Psalm 71, 14 to 21. And I will read those verses with you one more time. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God, you who have done great things. Who, O God, is like you? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. So, so far, the reading of God's Word. And may He bless it in our hearing This morning, beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when I received the prayer list yesterday for this morning's worship service, and I'm referring to the congregational members whom we'll pray for this morning, it became clear to me that some of you are experiencing troubles in your life right now. And that is not surprising. It's not surprising because God's people also experience troubles. We are not free from trouble. We are not free from pain or from sorrow. And if that describes you right now, then I have a question for you. What kinds of things are you saying to God right now? As you experience trouble in your life, What is the nature of your prayer? What is the content of your prayer? When you read through Psalm 71 as we did this morning, it is fascinating to observe the kinds of things that the Lord permits you to say to Him. I mean, if I just look at the verses quite close to our text. Verse 12, Be not far from me, O God, come quickly, O my God, to help me. And before that, verse 9, do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Do not cast me away when I am old. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. There's this sense of urgency, isn't there? God permits you to tell Him to hurry up. Like a panicked swimmer yelling to the lifeguard, hurry! So is the Christian in the midst of trouble. Crying out to God, hurry, oh my God, to help me. And I have no doubt that some of you can right now identify with the psalmist of Psalm 71 as, as he has his urgent needs and as he is crying out to the Lord his God to help him. And it's a relief that God permits you and me to speak openly and to speak authentically to Him from out of the depths of our troubles. We don't have to pretend everything's alright with God. He knows it's not alright and He expects us to tell Him it's not alright. And so we identify with the words of Psalm 71. But do you also identify with those other words of Psalm 71. See, Psalm 71 is an interesting lament. Because in addition to all the lamenting and all the crying, there's a another voice that's heard. It's the same voice, the same person, and yet it takes the psalm in a different direction, particularly in the second half of the psalm. And maybe you notice that shift In voice around the middle of the psalm, particularly where the psalmist goes from crying out for God's help to proclaiming God's righteousness. The psalmist goes uh, from telling God to hurry up. To praising God with the harp and the lyre. And what's most intriguing about that shift in voice in the middle of the psalm is there's there's not a shift in circumstances. It's not like he's experienced a change in his circumstances. Now he's still in the middle of the same troubles, and yet he shifts his voice from lament to praise. You say, how can he do that? How can he, in the midst of his trouble, how can you, in the midst of your trouble, shift your voice from a lament uh, to a praise? And the answer is in the opening words of our text this morning. But as for me, I will always have hope. But as for me, I will always have hope. What allows you to praise God in the midst of your troubles? It is hope. Hope in your God. What allows you to proclaim God's righteousness in the midst of your troubles? It is confidence in your God. When you have hope and when you have confidence in your God, then even in the midst of trouble, you can proclaim the righteousness of God. So that's the theme as I preach God's word to you this morning. The Lord teaches you to proclaim His righteousness even in the midst of trouble. And we're gonna look at our text. In two parts. First of all, there's your commitment to doing this. And then second of all, there's your confidence while doing this. So first of all, there's your commitment to doing this. As we look at the opening verses of our text this morning, the psalmist is committing himself to proclaiming God's righteousness. Verse 15. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. And verse 16, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Do you hear the voice of commitment? I will do this and I will do that and I will do this. And what is he committing himself to doing? In short, he's committing himself to proclaiming God's righteousness. And that leads to two questions. The first one is, what is the righteousness of God? And the second one is, who is he going to proclaim God's righteousness to? So let's start with the first question. What is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is God acting rightly in relationship with his people. God acting rightly is God acting in faithfulness to the covenant he had made with his people. When God entered into His covenant with Israel, His people, He revealed to them His personal name. You may remember that moment with Moses at the burning bush. What is your name? My name is Yahweh. My name is the Lord. All capital letters. A name that reveals who God is in relationship with His people. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. God's personal name speaks to His faithfulness To his people and in his faithfulness, he has promised to his people that he will rescue them, that he will save them, that he will provide for them when they are in the midst of trouble. So God's righteousness is God. Acting to save, to rescue his people when they are in trouble. And that's exactly what you discover as you look at Psalm 71 and you hear the psalmist speak about the righteousness of God. If you have your Bible open, I'm at verse 2. And then we're going to jump to 15 and 16. Verse 2, rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. So there's these three expressions, these three petitions for deliverance. Rescue, deliver, save. And right in the middle is the phrase, in your righteousness. The psalmist is identifying God's righteousness with His act of salvation, His act of deliverance, His act of rescue. Now jump to verse 15, our text, and you'll see the same thing. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long. This is Hebrew poetry, and Hebrew poetry often makes parallel statements. And this is a parallel statement. What that means is you're saying the same thing two different ways. So when he says, my mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation, then we're we're to understand that righteousness and salvation are essentially the same thing here. Verse 16, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness Yours alone. Again, there's that uh, identification between mighty acts and righteousness. So when you commit yourself to proclaiming the righteousness of God, what you are doing is committing yourself to proclaiming, to telling others of God's great saving deeds, of God's great and mighty acts. You commit yourself to telling others Of the great things God has done. That brings us to the second question. Who are you going to tell? Who are these others that you are proclaiming God's righteousness to? And as our text unfolds, well, the answer unfolds. First, there's the general commitment of verse 15. My mouth will tell. And the psalmist doesn't say who he's telling. He just says, my mouth will tell. And then you get to verse 16. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts. And we learn a little bit more about who the psalmist is going to be proclaiming to, because the expression, I will come, is an Old Testament expression for I will go to the temple. I will go before the Lord. I will gather with his people in Jerusalem. And there, in the presence of God's people, I'm going to proclaim the righteousness of God. And then there's verse 18, and here's where the audience comes into particular focus. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. The target audience of the psalmist's proclamation of the righteousness of God is the next generation, is the covenant children, is the young people. Our psalmist is in the second half of his life. He's no longer young. He's getting older. And there are numerous references in the psalm. To youth and to old age. And it's a transitional psalm. And although he is himself in the midst of trouble. He's committing himself To proclaiming to the next generation the righteousness of God. He wants the young people in his church, if we can say it that way. He wants the young people in his church to learn what he has learned. And what has he learned? Well, he tells us what he has learned in verse 17. Since my youth, oh God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. What did God teach him in his youth? Well, God taught him about his righteousness. God taught him about his mighty deeds. And how did God teach him in his youth? Well, he taught him through the older generation. And now he is the older generation. Some of you are just beginning to discover that, by the way. You're just beginning to awaken to the fact that you are the older generation. You used to look at others, probably others in this church, as the older generation. I certainly did when I was younger and sitting in this church. I still think I'm younger when I look at some of you this morning. But there's a lot who aren't here anymore. The generations, they... They come and they go. And some of you are coming to the awareness that you are the older generation. What does that mean? What does it mean for the psalmist? It means there's this commitment to telling the younger generation, particularly the youngest in the church, about God's righteousness. So if you're an older person in this church, and I'll let you define it if you're older. If you want to say I'm younger, that's fine. But if you've got gray hair, probably you're older. If you're an older person in this church. I hope you can look back on your life the way the psalmist does and say, God has taught me. I hope you could say by this point in your life, I have learned about the righteousness of God. Maybe you learned it from your parents. Maybe you learned it from your grandparents. Maybe you learned it from an older, wiser person in the church. People who told you about the wonderful deeds of the Lord. People who told you, above all, about God's saving work in Jesus Christ, His Son. You've learned it. God has taught you from others. Furthermore... You've learned it through your own circumstances. God has taught you through your life experiences. As you look back on your life, you can see that time and again, God has been faithful to you. He has time and again heard your cries for help and your cries for mercy. And as you've learned all this, and now as you're older, you realize I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility towards the next generation, to those yet to come. You see, the children and the young people who are born into this church are not born with an uh, an innate knowledge of the righteousness of God. Children who are born into this church have no more knowledge of the righteousness of God than children who are born outside of this church. Being baptized imparts no knowledge of the righteousness of God. But when you tell your child about their baptism, you begin to impart the knowledge of the righteousness of God. And when you tell them the stories of Scripture that highlight the saving deeds of God, you impart to them the knowledge of the righteousness of God. And of course, above all, you will impart to them the knowledge That God has saved them through Jesus Christ, His Son. And that they need to accept that with a believing heart. And, just to add to your responsibility a touch more, and you need to tell them stories drawn from your life experience. Tell them of God's faithfulness to you. Proclaim God's righteousness. And it is a powerful testimony when the older generation tells the next generation about the righteousness of God. And it is particularly powerful when the older generation tells the younger generation about the righteousness of God when in the midst of trouble. You see, because a younger person might wonder And there's nothing wrong with that, young people. Might wonder, how is it that the people we pray for in this church can proclaim the righteousness of God? The people who are sick. The people who are in the midst of trouble. A young person might ask, how can you, and maybe you're the grandparent, how can you praise God when you are sick? How can you praise God when you are terminal? And the older person can say, because I always have hope. Because when I look to the cross of Jesus Christ, I see that God's righteousness reaches even to the sky. And I know I'm confident of this, that he who has delivered me from my sin through the death of his only beloved son will deliver me again and again from all my troubles. Of this I'm confident. And so we come to our second point this morning, your confidence while doing this. We've come to verse 19 in our text of this morning. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O oh God. You who have done great things Who, O God, is like you? In biblical language, when something reaches to the skies, you can't measure it. We have yet, with all of our wisdom, with all of our technology, we have yet to measure that space between earth and heaven. God's righteousness is so great, you cannot measure it. Psalm uh, 71 earlier, verse 15. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. So we're not proclaiming something we know exhaustively from beginning to end. No, it's, it's too great for that. We're telling parts of it, the parts we know, the parts we have experienced. And not only is God's righteousness great and beyond measure, so is God himself. For notice the question, who, oh God, is like you? It's one of those rhetorical questions in scripture. The psalmist doesn't need to answer it. You know the answer in your heart. There's no one like God. Whether you're considering the great things he has done for for His church through the ages, whether you're considering the great things He has done for this church through its history, or whether you're considering the great things He has done for you personally in your life or in your family, it all leads to the same confession, doesn't it? There's no one like our God. And because this God is your God through Jesus Christ, His Son, you can have confidence in Him even in the midst of trouble you can proclaim His righteousness confidently even in the midst of trouble. Now I'm certainly aware with you that you will face the temptation to look at your trouble and conclude that God has forsaken you. And even now some of you might be looking at your troubles that way. You might be looking at your circumstances that way and saying to yourself, you know, God, you're far from me. God, I don't feel you as the one who is nearby to me. I feel you are the absent one in my life. But as someone once wrote, the storms of life no more indicate the absence of God than the clouds indicate the absence of the sun. God will not forsake you. God will not forsake me. You say, how can you be so sure of that? Well, I'm sure of that. Because when I look to the cross of my Savior, I see that God forsook Him in my place. And He forsook Him in your place. So, as you'll hear next Sunday with the Lord's Supper, so that you might never more be forsaken by Him. Moreover, because of His greatness, because of the greatness of His righteousness, you can be confident that ultimately He is going to rescue you. Even as you are smack dab in the midst of trouble, crying, lamenting, calling for Him to save you, you can be confident that He will save you. And that is the confidence that is expressed as we come to the end of our text this morning. It's the confidence of the psalmist who says this in verse 20. Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up you will increase my honor and comfort me once again. I want you to notice how the psalmist confesses what we describe as the providence of God. If you're not familiar with the providence of God or you, you want to refresh on the providence of God, it's probably a no better explanation than in our Hatterberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10, where the question is asked, what do you understand by the providence of God? And you answer, as some of you have learned, God's providence is His almighty and ever-present power whereby as with His hand He upholds heaven and earth and all things in them. So governs them that all things come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. Though you Have made me see troubles many and bitter. You. It's God. Are you in trouble? It is not by chance. It's not some cosmic fluke that you're in the midst of trouble. Are you experiencing suffering? Are you experiencing a sickness? Are you facing death? It's not chance. It's the providence of God. Just as he is the one who makes you see prosperity, so he is also the one who makes you see adversity. He makes you see trouble. And sometimes you can identify with the psalmist. You can say he's made me see many troubles. He's made me see a lot of bitterness and experience a lot of bitterness in my life. And that's the place where above all you need to hang on to your confidence in God. That's where you need to hang on like the psalmist hangs on and say, oh God, though you've made me see adversity, nevertheless you will restore my life again. The psalmist is comparing his experience to dying and to death. He uses poetic language. To speak of himself at the point of death. Indeed, as having died. You say, well, then how can he have confidence in God? Because he knows there's none like his God. Because he has a history with this God. And he knows the righteousness of this God. And he knows that this God will restore his life again. You will restore my life again from the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. He he pictures God raising him from the dead. He pictures God putting his arms around him and comforting him and restoring to him the honor that his enemies had taken from him. You see, but is he not too confident? For surely God does not deliver from every trouble, does he? When our sickness gets worse instead of better. Does that not mean the enemy has won and God has lost? When we stand there at the graveside and put the body of our loved one into the ground. Doesn't that mean death has won and God has lost? When Christians are killed in the midst of persecution and violence. When their enemies come into their churches and kill them. Is that Not evidence that our confidence in God, that this confidence of Psalm 71 is a misplaced confidence? And the answer is no. Because what is poetic language here has been made real in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. For when He died, yes, to all appearances, it looked like God had lost And Satan had won. And yet it was not the end. For God raised him from the dead on the third day. And we are here to rejoice and celebrate in that fact again today. And we rejoice and celebrate because it wasn't just the not the end for Christ. It's not the end for us who believe in Christ. For even if you should die in the midst of your troubles that you're experiencing right now you can still be confident in the righteousness of God. You can still be confident in the promises of God. For He established those promises through the blood of His own Son, and those promises extend beyond this life and extend beyond your troubles in this life. So, even though God may make you see troubles many and bitter, even though He may make me see troubles many and bitter, Nonetheless, you can say with confidence, and so can I, He will restore my life again. He will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. And sometimes He does that in this life. Yes, yeah, sometimes He does it in this life. There's people here who could testify to that. The cancer goes away. The finances are restored. The the marriage is healed. That sin you struggled with for so long. You no longer struggle with anymore. God's righteousness is not just for the life to come. But if God in his providence does not deliver you in this life. He will certainly deliver you at the coming Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will bring you up. Literally. From the depths of the earth. He will restore your life to you. As he joins you. To a new body. He will shame your enemies with eternal destruction. But he will comfort you. With eternal life. He will take his hand and wipe away all your tears. And so to you today. Whether you're in the midst of trouble or not. God says this in Isaiah chapter 51, verses 5 and 6. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. My salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. So if you lift up your eyes this morning, whatever your circumstance you will see the righteousness of God drawing near speedily. And He has said it will never fail. Consequently, even in the midst of trouble, even in all of your sorrow and persecution, you can proclaim the righteousness of God. Yes, even when you're old and gray, you could declare God's power to the next generation, to all who are yet to come. For surely, beloved, there is no one